0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's not really no this is, this is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got, got a
1: runway system. in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then.
0: All righty then.
1: Back in my blogging days, I used to be a big blogger. Before we did podcasts, I was a blogger. I did—I uh, had a blog where I was, I was posting like, uh, I must have been posting 10 or 15 S- blog post entries a day. I was also unemployed. Do the math, um, right, right? But but you were uh, a blog, you were a blogaholic. Yeah, but no, I was a pretty active blogger back in. Uh, in uh, I was going to say the heyday of blogs, but actually the blogs are sort of making a comeback. Anyways, so this goes back obviously you know nine years or so um, when I was a big blogger. Um, my most popular ever all time blog posts. All right, like, like in terms of number of views and number of comments that it received was a blog post that it was was occasioned by the fact that a, m- one of my brothers is a hiker and he was hiking in the mountains up here in uh, near lookout point and he saw a moose. Um, he actually saw two moose. And and that got us into a conversation about what was the plural of moose, all right? And that was the headline of my blog post, well, the, the plural the plural of moose, all right? And I talked about it a little bit and then talked about my brother's sighting and that was it was a simple little throwaway blog post, all right? Turns out... That take this stuff seriously. The plural of moose is apparently one of the most popular Google searches, right? And I got some Google juice uh, about this whole thing, and as a hmm. result, people were going to my blog post, which had very little to do with what is the proper plural of the word moose. Um, but uh, it's uh, it was it but was it had the right keywords. <laughs> it was one of my it was inadvertently one of my all time. It was it was one of my few successes at what they call SEO search. i was gonna say you should you should
0: yeah. start consulting in seo i know that, and, really and there's your there's your resume
1: i'm not sure though if the plural of aircraft is uh, is going to re- produce a similar <sighs> result but apparently jeb you're like this is a thing for you now right
0: well it's, it's not so much a thing i was i came across a story and, and i don't remember where it was and i should have put it in in the show notes in here and somewhere but i didn't but there was a story it starts off talking about an aircraft crash, or something like that. Then it said something later on that um, several aircrafts have crashed uh, in the in the general area of this one over the last you know pick a number of years you know mm-hmm. and, and, and over the last hundred years, let's say, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the whole thing just just was discordant. Yeah. And, well, and, so you know, and, and it is. Yeah. People don't know enough. These these people writing these stories for. It was. It was not, you know, the Post or the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, but it wasn't, you know, um, um, Uncle Jeb's backyard blog thing either. It was, it was a bona fide, quote unquote, news site, and supposedly with people who, you know, edit and 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 do things like that. And they used the word aircrafts, and I'm just like, come on.
1: Well, is it? You know, are we certain that this is so? It's too bad we don't have like you know professional editors.
0: It, 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 well, that or it's you know it's, it's it's a shame in this day and age we don't have some some way to look up like in an online dictionary. I know, yeah. So how words are supposed to be used.
1: Well, now and I'm trying to do this do that search right now here. I'm I'm looking at the what I'm trying to look at the AP Style Guide, which is the one that kind of jumps to my mind first. What's the other good style guides these days or the. Uh, um, but And although I can't find an entry that specifically refers to the plural of aircraft, um, they all do use the, f- the term aircraft referring to the plural. So,
0: I think. Well, there's some of the comments on that link, the Merriam-Webster link that I did put in there. Yeah. <clears throat> what did it say? Um, well, just scroll down and read them. You know, this is, um, the New York Times just used aircrafts. Maybe this is where I got this used to used, quote, aircrafts, unquote, under their watching section. So you can't even say it, can you? You you can't even pronounce it correctly. Yeah, right. Um, It's a collective noun, I believe, and is both singular and plural without the S ending. And uh, an associate professor, University of New Mexico, chimes in and says, yeah, I'm interested in the increasing use of of the S also. Um, Another article in the Daily Express um, used the S. And it goes on and on, and, and you're like, come on, people. Okay. So anyway, if there, if there are things that make me a little bit, hmm, yeah. um, um, I don't know, agitated, I guess, mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. this is one of them. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of airplanes that are singular, um, this uh, Bugatti, we talked about the Bugatti, I think, last episode. And, yeah, we did. Uh, and it's it has since flown. It has since flown. And it, and it's crashed. And it's crashed. Uh, we shouldn't laugh. Well, so now air shouldn't
2: that, that that wasn't a crash.
1: Yeah, well it was basically it, what? It was sort of a ground loop, right? I no, mean, it was it was more than a ground loop because they went into the soft that's what happened, right? They were on the rollout after the it, after the it, landing. The brake
0: failed. let's let's Okay. Let's. Let me open the the. Is there already this, an NTSB is, or there's a story? No, there's a bunch of stories. Yeah, this is from EAA. I don't know if there's an NTSB it's, or not. I can. It's a shame I, I can't look that up.
1: I find it interesting that there's there's four of three of us participating contributing to this list, and there are five stories about the Bugatti on the list. So uh, we've it's, all published one or not, another. Which one do you like
0: in, best, Jeb? The NTSB site's unavailable. I just use the EAA story. Um, yeah which, which uh, seemed to be uh, um, so the reduced powerful landing the airplane floated much more than I ante- than we anticipated. Mm-hmm. I landed further down the runway than planned, but with sufficient distance to stop the plane. Unfortunately, I lost the right brake and okay. the airplane departed the left side of the runway at slow speed. Due to heavy rains the night before, the ground was soft and the airplane tipped upward on its nose, damaging the spinner and both props. Well, that's unfortunate, but it is unfortunate. Um, uh, and, and, and that kind of stuff happens, especially in flight testing. Yeah. That's what uh, flight testing's for. And, yeah, yeah. It's the first time he's landed it, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give, him a, give yeah. him a little.
2: You know, that's not an airplane you can go anywhere and get dual in. Yeah. Right. Although I imagine somebody could program a simulator to get pretty close to how it's going to behave. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just may not have the cockpit makeup right. of the real one.
1: Yeah. So no, I I don't mean to be critical. This is because that's what testing's all about. And this test flight didn't go quite the way they wanted. But then some, it's not unheard of for them to go. Well, it's not unheard of for them to go even worse than this. Obviously. Oh yeah. You know. So so we congratulate yeah, them I, on their first flight. That's cool. And
2: uh, on that wing design, you, you, I imagine, ground effects extremely efficiently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was just elliptical. Tips: uh, the compound curves on the, uh, pretty much the whole wing is one big curve in one direction or another. Uh, I imagine it ground effects damned well, so yeah. that uh, uh, and and not a lot of drag in that airplane to nosing it up. It's not going to slow it down all that much without help. Yeah, so they'll have better brakes for the next one.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Now, one of the stories and. Unfortunately, it doesn't appear to... I thought it was the Flying Magazine story. When we were talking about I'm looking for that. Yeah, go ahead. When we were talking about this last episode, we were wondering what the nature of the engines were, whether they were replica engines or whether they were, you know... And and I saw a reference. I thought it was in this Flying Magazine um, story to what was, I, uh, the, the pull quote I grabbed was twin Kawasaki motorcycle engines. Um, but now I'm looking at that same story again, and it makes no reference to that. I wonder if they've edited the story. Um,
2: I knew that, uh, I, had, I had learned since our last one that it was uh, a pair of motorcycle engines. You have, okay. So that's, but I did not look into it deep enough to discover whose.
1: Yeah, all I know is I pulled a a quote out of one of the stories. I thought it was the Flying Magazine story, and uh, that's the only one that I put on the list, so it would have been that one. I wonder, that's interesting. I wonder if they've edited this story, and and maybe they... uh,
0: Oh, oh, no, 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 they're not
1: Kawasaki, they're Suzuki. Here's the the line.
0: Oh, that's all the difference. Yeah,
1: right. End of the second graph here. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's unclear whether the brake failure was caused by executive... Ex- excessive pedal pressure pressure or if the airplane's twin suzuki motorcycle engines were damaged by the prop strikes so it describes the airplane as having twin suzuki motorcycle engines so not replica engines i guess is my point. so are these liquid cooled engines or air cooled engines I, Yeah, liquid cooled i would think so uh, yeah. yeah david what makes you say that are you just guessing or you know
2: well, it's got those big cooling inlets on the vertical, uh, on the tail surfaces. That, uh, That's right. What I read was that they were inlets for the uh, intercoolers for mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. engine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, see.
2: Uh, I see. Since it's, uh, it may be turbocharged, they may be just be intercoolers, but I took it to mean liquid cool. Okay. Uh, that the liquid cooled was a lot more common when this airplane was
1: originated than it is today. I mean, why wouldn't big air intakes suggest air cooled?
2: Well, that's one of the advantages of liquid cool,
1: mm-hmm.
2: is as you can get away with out those great big uh, inlets to let air co- go mm-hmm. go past the cylinders. Oh,
1: okay, so you think these inlets aren't as big as they might otherwise be?
2: I think they suck with that idea. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Anyways, so yeah, I, I'm trying to find this information on the on the project's website, and I don't see yeah. it.
1: Yeah, you keep digging while you dig I will say welcome folks to uncontrolled airspace the general aviation podcast I'm Jack Hodgson and I'm coming to you today from high atop lookout point in Nottingham New Hampshire uh, where uh, it's uh, can't decide whether it's spring or whether it's summer or fall we, we, we're flip-flopping back and forth between hot and humid and you know nice and and dry and and which is nice and dry today it's a beautiful day today um, but it's been I thought it was over with a couple of weeks ago, and then all of a sudden it got hot and humid again. And uh, so, anyway, but it's beautiful here up on on Lookout Point, and uh, and I'm uh, I'm sitting here uh, drinking my beer and uh, talking with my two good friends here in our virtual hangar. Uh, and let me say hi to them, those uh, two good friends. Uh, one of them there, well, first one one of them's doing research, so I'll hold him till later. For, uh, is uh, the, but the one not doing research is Dave Higdon, talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David, what's going on?
2: Well, I just finished the research, too. Suzuki Hayabusa motorcycle inline Force mm-hmm. each 1340cc dual overhead cam, fuel injected, and those are liquid-cooled engines.
0: Where did you find that?
2: It was a Google search that took me to Bugatti100p.com web documents, Bugatti100p octane PDF. Hmm. It's a an article it looks like a uh... uh, like a
0: documents documents
2: yeah and those are
1: big analysts back there. Onwards. We're having some fun now, I'll tell you. Anyway, so, well, well, we're just like being totally distracted by looking up these Suzuki Well, it, yeah, it's like, it's
0: like we're sitting at dinner and, and everybody's on their phone waiting for the food. <laughs> yeah, that's different.
1: exactly what it's like. That's exactly what it's like. Uh, that other voice out there, my other good friend, is uh, talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, uh, Jeb Burnside. I'm drinking beer. I'm
0: drinking beer. I yeah, should- I know. We're, this this episode is probably already going to be... Uh,
1: yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be one of it, those it's going it
0: could go either way. I'm drinking
1: either- I'm drinking a New Glarus beer, a New Glarus uh, Spotted Cow. All right? oh yeah. yeah, which is actually yeah. a, a a friend of mine saw me drinking one of these uh, recently and said they sell those in New England. I said no, I brought this from Ash. This is a leftover um, tie down party beer, and and you might wonder, but I thought we gave all the leftover tie down party beer this year too. Uh, to uh, uh, we donated it to an orphanage, didn't we? <laughs> exactly right. We donated it. We donated <laughs> it to the uh, Camp Bacon Orphanage. That's right. And uh, no, this is actually. I you know this is probably not a great a compliment to the beer but this is actually leftover beer from two years ago or, or a year ago this
0: is no, it, it's an eloquent statement on how much you enjoy beer
1: well no it's an eloquent statement on how much leftover beer we had a year ago we wait we way over purchased a year ago and uh, and i've been slowly drinking it and this is like i'm literally down to the last three bottles of beer from last summer's tie down part no, just
0: think just think if you'd started um Singing a hundred bottles of beer on the wall, so you'd be down to three.
1: Now. I'd be down to three now. What's going on, Jim? How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Um, I'm you working You were telling on us that. during
1: the pre-show that it's been raining a lot.
0: It's been raining a lot. Yeah, we get about we're getting about three quarters of an inch to a day of rain, averaged. out. It was it was nice to have a couple of hot days without uh, without any rain, so things could kind of dry out a little bit. But we're back to you know getting a three quarters of an inch of rain, so. All the low spots in the yard have water in them, and uh, even the water, even the alligators are abandoning the place. Uh, they're headed off. I don't know where they go in the daytime. Um, You're kidding? Wad- they're not really
1: uh, leaving every day, do they? They're, what they're, do they
0: care? They're waddling out of the lake and getting and walking across the yard and walking into the woods, never to be seen again. Really? Until until you know until they're back later again. that day or the next day or something like that. There was a. I'm not making this up. There was a white bird. Um, you know, long legged. I don't know I don't know exactly what kind of bird it was. I, I, I it was think kind I of which bird you're yeah, talking about, yeah. Fishing yeah. fishing along yeah, the, right. little the bank to, of the lake. Yeah, eagre, he's, he's eagre. about a foot and a half high, something like that, yeah. you know. Think, and, yeah. um, go ahead. he's fishing along the, the, the bank, and uh, um. the alligator comes gliding up out of the water and sticks his snout up over the bank and the bird is about ten feet away and just kinda of looks at him and And the alligator, you know, very deliberately climbs out of the lake and gets all of his body out of the lake, goes about six or eight feet and stops, plops down. And the bird's just kind of still fishing, kind of looking over his shoulder, fishing, looking over his shoulder, fishing, looking over his shoulder. And um, this goes on for 15 minutes. The alligator kind of stands back up and and waddles as slowly as he can back into the woods. And the, the stupid bird follows him yeah he's like i'm like dude um and walks you know the 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 alligator walks into the woods and the bird goes to about three feet from the woods and is kind of looking around making sure that he's going into the woods and turns around walks back to the lake and starts fishing again i'm like you are living dangerously (laughs) and this was not and this was not a baby alligator this was one of the larger ones i've seen around here yeah, uh, I just found the whole thing interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, I've I've seen more than one, you know, sort of Disney true life adventure happen out in your backyard. <laughs> over the years, so yeah, I know what you're talking. Call about. of the Wild. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, airplanes. Let's see here. So let's uh, talk about airplanes. Yeah, about airplanes. Uh, is um, there
0: an is there an airplane that's ever been named the Gator? I don't know Maybe we, the uh, Alligator. Too bad we don't have a device. Let's it's see. a shame we don't have something that we could look up. That's
1: a T-shirt, by the way. That we should we should sell T-shirts. Is there, is a, there, we should, too well, bad we, we don't do have a that. device, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, airplane, aircraft, hmm. with no s, gator. Uh. The Boeing T forty three, informally referred to as the Gator, T forty three. Yeah. Seriously? Well, that's what that's what Wikipedia says, informally referred to as the Gator an abbreviation for navigator.
0: Oh. Okay. okay. t 43 is a uh uh military 737 I think.
1: Uh that's what it, yeah, that's what it, it certainly looks like, has that look. Yes, it's a it's definitely it's a Boeing according to Wikipedia. It's a Boeing. It's uh uh, they cost five million dollars a piece. yeah, Boeing? developed from the Boeing seven three. that's what it says here.
0: Boeing okay yeah well, there you go. <laughs> they call it the
1: Gator. That's informally they say
0: informally, but that's there's no airplane that's ever been called the alligator An alligator I, this the was the alligator.
1: first this was the first hit on on Google that's all I know. I mean, gator mine system. what's that that's a uh, anti-tank system all right that's uh, the gator uh, another reference to the t forty three. Anyways, but but cooler airplanes. So, so one of you said somebody David. Yeah, I think you first anyway. on this list. This is this is some rich person's airplane collection now being auctioned off. Is that what's going on here, David?
2: I'm not sure exactly about the uh, ownership of it. I think it might be a, a museum collection. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a. Uh, uh has been quite a handful of uh yeah, post-World I, War II airplanes.
1: And and although we may or may not make an offer on any of these airplanes, they are cool to look at and uh, and talk about here. Uh, this is
0: a this is a charity collection called the Classic Air Force. Okay. Uh, and it's um, but apparently they're for sale, right? Well these the, are the chari- yeah. yeah, these are. The charity is auctioning off uh, or selling five of its historic airplane. Mm-hmm airplanes excuse me airplane does get an <laughs> when it,
1: when it, <coughs> it's okay yeah all right see now you're just gonna this is just gonna get too confusing yeah all right yeah, five of them so the first one here is a uh, avro anson twin engine mm-hmm. trainer um has a little bit of a a, a a twin beach look to it if you ask me and except uh, for the you know
2: kind of reminds me of a different. session of bobcat
1: it does yeah yeah cessna, i'm not familiar with cessna bobcat i don't have to look Oh, well, there's up. something else you can do yeah really now my question about this uh anson avro anson um is that it has on it stripes that on, if they were white i would have called them invasion stripes the kind of stripes that they put on on d-day aircraft right. um but these are yellow are these do either of you know are these in fact um invasion stripes or i don't
0: are, i don't think so i think it's just just, uh, a, a just a marking that says, hey, there's there's, a, there's possible students in this airplane. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Yellow is Yeah, not,
2: it, it, it was a multi engine trainer, for one thing. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it also did other types of training missions and some, uh, some uh, combat roles. Uh, the, I think the yellow is, is indicative of the training role.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's an interesting airplane. It's, by the way, a two-engine, uh, uh, low-wing, um, you know, you know uh, it seems to be roughly the size Great. of a twin beach, although it has different lines and different, different, different empennage.
2: Retractable, pitches. kind of a bulbous front end.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the uh, Avro Anson. And then the next picture. The actually, next
2: one's Matt Pave. Oh, yeah. And
1: there's another picture of the Avro, and then the uh, third picture of the Avro. And then now we've got the, uh, the de Havilland Chipmunk is the next one. The good old DHC-1. Now, these do look like Invasion Stripes, but I guess maybe... It's, yeah, it's,
0: it's just... It's, I, they're I, white, I can't ex- Yeah, I can't explain it. Invasion Stripes are, are three white stripes. Oh, uh, are they really? I as, thought it was... Yeah, as opposed to one. Oh, I didn't know that part. Okay. Yeah, D-Day Stripes.
1: David, why you like this airplane? What's special about it? Well, it was the very first indigenous
2: design uh, from de Havilland, Canada. And... It, uh, I think 1946, 47, when it, it came into existence. And uh, it's just got a stellar reputation as a great all-around flying airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Good manners, simple systems, fixed gear, tail wheel, 145-horse, uh, uh, gypsy, I think a gypsy major engine. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's aerobatic it spins well it recovers well from spins uh you've seen some of them on the uh on the air show circuit uh with uh, much more horsepower up front and uh doing some really beautiful smooth aerobatic work uh and it's a also, the most affordable to own and operate of any of them. Well, on this these, list. Yeah, some of yeah. these are
1: pretty big airplanes. Now, the Chipmunk has a twin; it has four and aft seating, which I can never. That's that's tandem? called tandem seating.
2: It's right? tandem, yeah,
1: Four and aft, right? Um, and uh, um, it's what's the uh, plural of tandem?
2: So, <laughs> I don't, so, I don't know that
1: you can pluralize tandem. We have it is plural by its very very nature,
0: right? Can you can you turn it into a verb? He tandem those people okay uh well, you can
1: p- plural dual well you can plural tandems too you can have tandems there's a, there's a whole bunch of tandems here um this is really nice is really the first picture of the chipmunk's really nice it's a it's an air-to-air picture with the ground in the background it's uh, very very attractive i like it and uh yeah, the uh of course the Gypsy
2: major inverted four-cylinder
1: uh-huh. in line. picture of in it on, line. on the ramp um Looking looking nice on the ramp as well. Sometimes airplanes don't look as good when they're sitting on the ramp because they they're not in their, especially tail wheel taildraggers aren't always at their in their you know sort of flight orientation when they're on the ramp. But this one looks good. And a third one with a something in the background. What's that in the background? That's a big big military big jet. In the
0: looks, background, looks military behind me. to me. Oh, that's a that's a Nimrod. A Nimrod. Yeah, that's a um, who made those. Um,
2: I think, think pretty sure.
0: Hav- oh, I think I think the Havilland actually—that's a derivative of the comet. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's right. That's no. right.
0: That's a that's a comet derivative.
2: Yeah, by the time I saw my first one, it was all owned by British aerospace.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I think oh. you're right. De Havilland, the Havilland original.
1: Well, Wikipedia has something that they refer to as a Hawker Sidley nim- Nimrod. The Hawker Sidley Nimrod. Yeah, This is the airplane from the picture is a maritime patrol aircraft developed and operated by the United Kingdom It was extensively um, oh. it oh it is it was an extensive modification of the de Havilland comet, the world's first dun, dun, jet. okay, okay all right. originally designed by de Havilland's successor firm Hawker Sidley uh-huh. okay.
2: so. and then placed in the hands of British aerospace
0: yeah. yeah de Havilland got bought out a long time ago, merged whatever.
2: And then, yeah, and so did
1: Hawker Sidley and yes. Supermarine and. Mm-hmm. So that's the chipmunk, um, and then, and now we come to the, to the oddest airplane in this collection, if you ask me. This is a uh, uh,
2: De Havilland Dragon Rapide.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. This is not the oddest one. It's the next one that's here. But this one's pretty odd too. Yeah. It's a uh, De Havilland, just as you said, De Havilland Rapide. Um, it's a, it's really, it's really odd looking. It looks to be fabric covered. It's a biplane, but a big cabin biplane. Um, it's, uh, got fixed gear, but very, very, uh, very, uh, what's the right word? Wheel pants. Fared. fared. Is it, is it? Thank you. That's the word I was mm-hmm. going for. Mm-hmm. Streamlined. Uh, streamlined, uh, um, fixed gear. Um, and, uh, uh they fared it well. They fared it well. <laughs> And, uh, except they get all that wire, st- wire, uh, uh, reinf- you know, strutting the, not strutting, but, uh, uh, you know, reinforcing the bracing, uh, bracing thank you. The, wi- I don't know what I do. I couldn't do this podcast without you guys, um, bracing the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the dual wings. And there's just, you know, whatever they're gaining in aerodynamics on the, uh, wheel fairings, they're losing on those wires.
0: Yeah. But the good
1: news is the wings don't collapse. The wings won't fold up on them. or less likely. That's an interesting airplane. The, uh, the De Havilland Rapide.
2: Yeah, that's two, four, six, eight-seat airliner. Plus pilot.
1: It says two gypsy six inline engines. And, uh, so that's an.
2: Interesting yeah, Gypsy's a brand name like Lycoming.
1: Okay, that's that's just a. And and I'm guessing that this I'm seeing the picture of it of this airplane on the ramp. You can see that Nimrod in the background. So I'm guessing it's parked right next to the Chipmunk. Um, picture in the uh, in the passenger cabin of the
0: uh, yeah that's that, that's really cool
1: that's uh yeah it's very it's it, it, it's very reminiscent to me of the uh of the ford trimot motor it's like mm-hmm. very narrow you
0: know it's like it's very it's very 30s yeah yeah right what kind of art deco art deco on. yeah, that's, yeah you know,
2: that's that was that's the phrase that was trying to come to mind art yeah. deco
1: yeah, they're going to have a real hard time rolling the drink cart up and down this aisle between these seats. It's just like they're very close together. You basically to have to go. Oh,
2: not, no, this is easy. You just pass back
1: a thermos. Yeah, right. Because you're going to have to like walk sideways to get up and down this aisle. And there's just one seat on each side. Everybody gets a window yeah, and your, seat. And, your
2: roller bag's probably not going to make it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. really. The overhead is probably not going to have a lot of room for, for a roller bag. But then
2: again, you probably don't check your bag until you get to the door of the airplane. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. You, know, you don't need a flight attendant either. Yeah,
2: no, like I said, pass back a thermos and a bag mm-hmm. of MM. and you got cabin yeah. service covered. Mm-hmm.
1: The Percival Proctor 5. Never heard of this airplane before. And uh you guys are no, you familiar with this? It's <laughs> a it's, you know, low-wing monoplane. Um looks to be metal um
0: skinned. Some of it is the tail the I, rudder. I would imagine the control the, the surfaces. Rudder looks, yeah, the
1: control surfaces yeah. might be fabric. Um yeah,
0: and uh, fixed
1: gear, also heavily fared. Heavily gear. fared. Uh, and uh yeah it was a uh Edgar Percival radio trainer developed the Proctor from his earlier Proctor Percival Vega gull design in response to air ministry specification twenty slash thirty eight for a radio trainer and communications aircraft. Prototype Proctor first flew in October of 39 and the type was immediately selected for service with both the RAF and the Royal Navy. And uh, so that's an interesting airplane. It's, uh, it's and that it's dual so it's not tandem, it's side-by-side seating, but that's more than 2. There's also some uh, passenger
0: seats behind the it's two up front and one behind, or is it three abreast? Or? I don't know. Uh,
2: three-seat radio trainers, three-seat three seat okay, communication so trainers, until they made it bigger to hold
0: mm-hmm. four. Okay. Oh, is it three tandem or? Because I'm in one of these pictures, I see a head, what what appears to be a head. Maybe it's just a seat back in that in the rear window.
2: Yeah, I think that's a seat back. I think I I it's think a seat the, back as
1: well. Yeah, I think there's the,
2: one the seat back. Center. seat's two wide. Right.
1: Two wide or or one wide, but there's definitely a second row.
2: Well, if it's if you're trying trying to train three, well, no, they say three seat communications aircraft. That's the radio operator, right? You know, radio and communicate. Well, they're calling them two different things. Yeah, no, back there that's where the jaffo
0: sits, right? Yeah, yeah, or the the or the gib. The gib? I can't gib.
1: What's a gib? (laughs)
0: G-I-B, Guy in Back.
1: Guy in Back, right. Jaffo is a line from, uh, yeah. from uh, uh, the helicopter. What's that? Blue Thunder, right. Yes, Thunder, right. Yeah. 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 We can't say it because it's a family podcast. That's but, right. But, uh, yeah.
0: Just another friendly
1: observer. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Jaffo. And, uh, Boy,
2: de Havilland is heavily represented in this group.
1: Yeah, no, I know. It's huh? all British. There yeah. must have been a sale of some sort. Yeah. Um, the next one's very cool. <clears throat> I wouldn't mind flying one of these airplanes. This is a, a de Havilland oh, vampire. Absolutely. It's a uh, twin boom. It's a jet and uh, um, 1958 uh, twin boom jet. So the jet. So the uh, I don't even know how to describe this, but it's it's a sort of center mounted wing on a on a uh, sort of ex- a extended egg shaped fuselage with then
0: twin booms coming back from the root. It's, it's the result of an unnatural pairing between a Cessna Skymaster and. and <clears throat> Yeah, and I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, um, right, uh, um, um, maybe a P fifty one for gonna, the wings. I was going to say and, a, a twin there. What's what a P- for the, the, the for the fuselage?
1: Yeah. So, uh, uh, but it's a cool looking airplane. And, yeah, it uh, is. Big big tanks underneath each wing, and uh, uh, like, as we said, twin boom tails. So twin tails with a uh, horizontal that goes extends from from one twin tail to the other, and uh, yeah, and the fuselage
2: is plywood.
1: Is it really? Really? Yeah. Well, this is, this is early. This is uh, a De Havilland, uh, the, from the descriptive information here, the De Havilland DH-100 Vampire commissioned, was commissioned by the Royal Air Force during World War II, entering service just too late to see combat. This was the second jet fighter to enter RAF service. The Gloucester Meteor being the first, and it continued to serve with frontline RAF squadrons until nineteen fifty-five. It was, yeah. Then,
2: I think they used meteors to try to interdict V two,
1: yeah, uh-huh.
2: rockets. Uh, they, they actually, the Brits actually had a jet flying in the last part of World War Two. I thought that's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know the uh, the the jet stuff at the uh, at the tail end of of World War Two is quite a story. No question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the, oh, it looks really cool on the ramp too. It's uh, it's not tail dragger. It's a nose wheel and uh retract kind of, I think is obvious but I'll say it anyways and uh,
0: not interesting. You, you, you said V2, uh, the V2 threat and it was used against uh, the Germans to counter that threat. Actually, it was a V1 threat. V2 is a more of a ballistic uh, type of missile that you,
1: which is the one that had the stuttery sound. That was the V1. Yeah. That was a V1. They they were sending these up,
2: trying to get them close enough to shoot down the V2s because it was the fastest thing they had. Uh, I think they'd already stopped doing V1s B2- by the time the, yeah. mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. I, airplane don't think I don't think, I don't think it out. would have
0: had much success against V2s. though. Mm-hmm.
2: It wasn't going to catch it, but yeah. remember, they had good catch enough it on the ground, the dead, radar, radar strong enough that they could get it up and Maybe shoot it up over the uh, English Channel. I don't know that that ever worked out for them. Mm-hmm. Some of the V ones were diverted by yeah. Yeah. guys flying Spitfires.
1: Really?
0: These will fly up and tip them over because they had very rudimentary gyros.
1: Oh, yeah. so you actually just bump them?
0: Just tip. You slide your wing tip. You know, I, I'm going to say this, make it sound so simple and easy. Yeah, right. Uh, but you slide your wingtip up under the V1's wingtip and raise it so so far that the uh, gyros uh, right. trip off, the, the autopilot trips off, basically, uh-huh. and the V1 kind of peels off and crashes,
1: uh, or, or explodes right next to you, or explodes right next. To you. I you know, it,
0: uh, I know which I know which I would prefer. Yeah, I know
1: really. Well, I'll tell you, whatever whatever flying skill it took to tip this wing, it also took really big ones to just be willing yeah. to try um yeah. that's you
2: had to be the first guy to do that
0: <laughs> big, yeah. big rudder pedals
1: <laughs> yeah right so uh, interesting picture the the last picture from the uh, sequence for the uh, for the uh, vampire is uh, is in the cockpit is a is a close-up of the control stick or mm-hmm. actually the uh, the uh, handle of the control stick mm-hmm. with the buttons and knobs and yeah very cool uh,
0: one they, of those one of those buttons you use with a foam cup and you stick the foam cup up under the dispenser and you push the button and you get hot tea. You get tea. That's right. Yeah. That's
1: probably, you know, you know, it, well, no, it's probably not true. But a couple of extra pictures. Whoa, 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 whoa. You think I would make that up? No, I don't think you'd ever make anything up being the professional journalist that you are. Uh, a couple more uh, interesting pictures tagged onto the end of this uh, sequence here. What's yeah. a, uh, oh, here's a meteor. This is the meteor. Uh, right? The. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. The Meteor was first and the and the uh, the Vampire was second, but the Meteor looks more more modern. It has a much more of a modern look to it at least these pictures. Maybe it's maybe it's just so nicely refurbished that it looks One more. big difference between the two, the
0: Vampire is a single There um, you
1: are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and the Meteor is a twin. The, the the twin, you know, those those very very early engines just did not have enough thrust. They had to have two of them. mm mm-hmm, Mhm. Mhm. Yeah.
1: And then this uh, this very last one here. There's only one picture. This is the one that I was thinking of earlier when I said the the most the interesting looking. Oh, the Canberra. One. Is that what this is? It, is it the, the jet or the, the no no the twin the twin radial uh huh yeah. um, tr- tr- uh, with uh, th- with three uh, three vertical uh, rudders and. Uh, This is just a bizarre-looking airplane here, Um, and they don't hardly tell you what it's called. They don't. The descriptive uh, information here says, "Powered by a pair of Alvis Leonides or Leonides uh, engines, the prototype, soon to be dubbed the Twin Pin, made its maiden flight on June 1955." incredibly short takeoff um I, I was so curious about this i actually did a little bit more research and i gave you guys a link to a, a youtube video of one flying at an air show down in australia it's kind of interesting to see it do flybys it's uh, it apparently is very very good at going very very slow mm-hmm. and uh it's just a,
0: do we know what its real designation is well i i don't know let's just see if we can figure that out here um
1: i did a google search for aircraft
0: singular twin pin and plural. If you did it like that, it's and plural. Scottish Aviation Twin Pioneer.
1: Yeah, that's what Wikipedia thinks it is.
0: uh, Mm, uh, I don't think
1: so. Uh, It looks like it from the picture.
0: Uh, Um, Yeah, okay, okay, you're right. I I had to look at the tail again. Yeah, Yeah. Scottish
1: Aviation Twin Pioneer is a British STOL stall uh, transport aircraft built by Scottish Aviation Limited at Prestwick Airport airport scotland during the 1950s and uh so uh according to according to google picture hits you know if you do a search for this and then go images um it uh there's a fair number of them out there i mean it's not hmm. like there's just one or two um these it, is a bunch of pictures anyways so uh, it's an interesting interesting looking airplane if you ask me yeah it is yeah i've lost my I've lost the list. Where's the list? Oh my gosh! Here it is. So that's an interesting set mm-hmm. of pictures here. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some cool airplanes there. You're right. Very De Havilland and uh, um, most of them. For, well, apparently they're all for sale. Even the ones at the end are privately for
0: sale. They're not. For, everything's not for sale well, if everything's you have for enough sale, money.
1: Right? So uh, there you go. Um, you know what? People laugh at me because I refuse to, not refuse, but I am reluctant to upgrade the software on my computer the first moment that updates become available because I think something could go wrong. Um, but I'm shocked by that. But the federal government, they certainly know what they're doing, and so they never have problems with upgrades. Right? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I Except...
0: Except Ex- when they do. Except when they
1: do. What happened? The Washington uh, Washington Center or whatever, what do they call it? Is down, it? Goes down, down goes Washington. Down
0: goes Washington.
1: Well, at least it wasn't an important one.
0: It, it, yeah, exactly. It wasn't all that critical to, to you know, tr- uh, airplanes traveling up and down the East Coast. Um, uh, yeah, the, the Washington Center went down.
1: Yeah. Uh, How long was uh, it out for?
0: Well, let's open this link and I'll be able to... to uh, several hours basically. Yeah, I mean it was it was not insignificant. It was uh- <clears throat> It was not an insignificant thing. Um uh, ma- uh the headline from the Washington Post is a major malfunction in the system that routes planes through 60- 160,000 square miles of airspace centered over Washington caused airlines to delay or cancel hundreds of flights nationwide. This was on Saturday the whatever 2 weeks ago. Um the FAA said it was not immediately able to determine what caused the problem. So the, uh, the, the reason, according, according to the FAA, that all this happened is uh, they tried to upgrade the software on the ERAM, the route Automation Modernization, um, and that did not work.
1: hmm Um, David's back with us now. We've been having some, uh, David's been having some, I don't know what, internet problems or something over there in the, uh, in the, it's the, uh, it's the, uh,
2: temporary core meltdown.
1: Yeah. So, but, so he's on his regular uh, landline telephone right now. So that's why he, he sounds a little bit different. Um, I'm sorry, Jeb, you were telling us, uh, what went wrong at, uh, Washington. Uh,
0: the, sign- um, the Washington center upgraded its software for the ERAM system. ERAM stands for in route, Um, let me find it again. Um oh, that's the wrong story. Um in route automation modernization, ERAM. And um software, the systems installed in in uh, 20 different uh centers around air route traffic control centers around the country. I think there's twenty two total, so somebody's you know slacking off. But um, yeah. um it failed and took down D.C. and took took down uh, Washington Center with it. Um, I, I can only imagine how uh, Atlanta and Jack's and uh, New York Center's coped to Cleveland Center also. Um, but uh, a lot of flights got canceled. A lot of people were, were very torqued. Um, it doesn't say exactly when it went down. I want to say... Maybe Saturday morning of this particular weekend, uh, was, did not come back up until like four thirty in the afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big deal. Yeah, and of course, a lot of people were being quoted as saying, "Well, I thought it would be a good idea to travel on Saturday." <laughs> yeah,
1: well, uh, no, yeah, it's never going to be a good idea to travel on a day or to travel airlines on a day when uh,
0: if you have time to spare, go by air. That's
1: right. Yeah. So, well,
2: if it had been. If it had occurred on a weekday, can you imagine how much worse it would have been? On the the, the airline delays would have rippled out for a whole. Oh week?
1: yeah,
0: oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Big
1: time. Well, what, what day of the week was that Chicago thing a few few months back or so? That was that was probably that was multiple days. Yeah, yeah. The, the one
0: where the guy set
1: fire. Well, to yeah, the, and you're right. That was a little bit different situation. It wasn't yeah. just a, yeah. um, you know. So, yeah. anyway. Cheers to Ted. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what's the underlying thing here? I mean, is is the FAA's technology just so far behind the times that this is going to happen over and over again? I mean, what what the heck?
0: No, it's it's the underlying thing here is there was a software patch, it was a software upgrade, and we all know how that works.
1: How we we do know how it works, and I guess you're right. We shouldn't, uh, therefore, the, for the grace of you know whoever, go you know. But uh,
2: Yeah, I mean it happens to big and small businesses, it happens to different government agencies, it even
1: happens to podcasters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Okay.
0: I guess you're yeah, I you guess got, you're, he's gotten personal now. Yeah, isn't he's he?
1: made a valid point here. All right, all right. So all right, we're gonna give we're gonna give FAA a pass on this one, I guess. But
0: well uh, yes and no, we're gonna give him a pass. Um, because software upgrade stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. It could be kinda of nice if they had a backup.
1: I you know, I, I don't even begin to understand how the FAA can do what they do with the technology that they apparently have, which is like, you know, basically you know
0: well, the, the way computers
1: it, were worked in the nineteenth century. It's
0: it, it's easy to say that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not defending the FAA. But keep in mind also they also have the the, the greatest number of, of aircraft movements to deal with. Uh, around the world. And, you know, you get into a, uh, you know, e- even, you know, London, Heathrow and, and some of the big hubs and whatnot. Yeah, they have a lot of traffic. Um, I just don't think they have the same level of traffic um, that we do here in the U.S., at least in the East Coast. Um, so, you know, you get into some... some some European hubs and yeah, they have a lot of traffic, but it's not anywhere near uh, the same uh, same level and mm-hmm. and the same mix either. Um, yeah, because so those I, I,
2: EA systems that yeah. aren't nearly as robust or uh, deep as they are here in North America, and that's the thing to remember. On a, when something like this goes down, it affects everybody. It's not just the airlines. I mean, if, if you needed a, if you needed an approach into Manassas while that while the center was down, it could be a little bit awkward.
0: Well, you got Potomac TRACON, and I'm sure all the the Tricons up and down the East Coast pitched in, and and uh, um, Potomac of course covers from Baltimore down to Richmond. Um, so there's that, I'm, I'm sure they can extend their, their upper altitudes for, to handle the, the, extra traffic, but they don't know the fixes. They don't know all the procedures for the en route airspace, et cetera. Um, that could be, you know, a problem. Um, and you've got a lot of airspace, especially, uh, Eastern North Carolina and, and, uh, uh Southern Virginia that, uh. Uh, there aren't any TRACONs. Uh, Southwestern Virginia, you got Roanoke and I think Lynchburg uh, is uh, uh, part of Roanoke, I don't remember. So you got all that going on, but you still have just a, a, a lot of, of um, um, airspace that's just not that well covered. A lot of these smaller airports also use the center uh, ATC system for their approach control. You get out, um, some of these smaller airports, there's not a TRACON nearby, and you're depending on center. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or, or. Yeah. So, so, anyways. All right. Well. Anyway. So, it was a lot of fun. Everybody had a good time. Everybody f- eventually got where uh, they were going. And the big thing is, no paint was swapped.
1: Yeah. That's that's good. And I mean... Nothing they got they, wrinkles. Yeah. The controllers are really good at, at adjusting and, and and compensating for these kind of things, but... You know, part of the way they compensate is everything slows down.
0: Well, that and, and they, you know, it'd be nice if they didn't have to compensate.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. Anyways, you know, when I first started flying twenty some twenty plus years ago, um, it was just in the era when the flight service stations were starting to shut down, and uh,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and 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 we considered it a scandal at the time. I mean, I mean, to a certain extent, I still do. All right, um, that that they were gonna, you know, serve, you know. Briefing information from central places at the time. It wasn't even one central. It was like a bunch of regionals, and uh, and we were all horrified at the at this end of an era. And 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 the reality is, it's kind of worked out okay, especially as the as the internet arrived and you know we're all doing things centrally anyways, and and uh, kind of worked okay. Now now FAA is phasing out yet another um, beloved traditional part of the of the system, which is what David Flight Watch right is going away
2: yeah well they're shutting down the uh the uh 122.00 frequency that's uh flight service station the flight service network is used as the flight watch network no matter where you were in the country you could key the mic on 122.00 and not even have to ask for the right you know uh flight service radio uh just ask for flight watch and somebody would answer you. And you could get directions, and you could get weather updates, and you could leave pilot reports, and
0: right.
2: and it was kind of like the uh, universal access code for yeah. uh, flying around the country. So yeah, the FAA has decided that the uh, the way that their network is working now, they're just going to make you ask the right on the right frequency for wherever you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's an advance.
1: I don't know. It's
0: a big advance because they get to save money on uh, people. Yeah, exactly. It's a big I mean, advance for the FAA.
1: Do we have? Is there data about nobody's using one twenty two uh, one twenty two zero? I mean, is <sighs> maybe that what's going on here? It just doesn't get used, and it's, this is not going to be a problem. I don't know. I, th- 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 as far
2: as I know, it's still used. I mean, uh, the last couple of times I traveled with somebody, uh, we used Flight Watch to get a weather update, uh, without. Uh, interrupting the flow of communications between air tra- aircraft on IFR flight plans and the controllers they were talking to, we went to Flight FlightWatch. Uh, we could have gone to a, a specific flight service frequency, but 122 was there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and somebody answered.
1: Right, uh, right. So October 1st, um, it just, What happens? Is it just going to be nobody listening at all, or are they going to phase it out, or how does that work?
0: Well, according to the FAA's website, they even have an FAQ on this. Um, there will be a transition period. Um, uh, the Lockmart facilities uh, will be listening um, um, to that frequency um, for, uh, I just had it here a second ago, uh, for, I guess, six months or so um and how they're going to deal with calls on that frequency I don't know um but uh, they will be you know monitoring that um and there will be a, a transition apparently but I don't know you know they'll be telling people to come up on 222 I don't know what that uh, is all about if we look at a chart which I'm going to try to do here um hang on a second Let's look up here. Okay, um, looking, looking, looking for a uh, flight watch tag on a sectional chart. Um, I can't seem to find a flight watch.
1: Well, maybe that's telling,
0: right? Box on a current sectional. Maybe they and phase. maybe maybe that is telling. They phased um, that out some
1: time ago. I don't know.
0: Well, these are on six-month cycles, um, so it would be right. Kind of. Are you uh, looking
1: at an actual sectional? Or are you? Looking I'm looking at, at a.
0: I'm looking at an online sectional. Yeah, right. so it's, okay. it's uh-huh. I would think current. Um, I just don't see it. Yeah. Uh, well, where I normally I think would, if I could find a, a. Uh, a legend, maybe I would. I yeah. would have more luck here, but the, I get part of the punchline is generally, flight service station functions are being phased out. Yeah, period. Period in the statement.
1: Yeah, I mean they just. Yeah. Right. You know, do, do they just it started with the Reagan administration? Well,
0: the, okay, they started that. before that, but it yeah. certainly accelerated under Reagan and over the last. Well, since Lockmark took over that contract. Um, I'm sure it's a fixed-price contract. So Lockmart itself has been you know, trying to economize and uh, reducing services and whatnot. But last year uh, at Oshkosh in, in 14, I had the honor and privilege of uh, interviewing uh, Administrator Huerta. And I asked him pretty much point-blank what the future of flight service was going to be. And uh, he made it clear that... The FAA considered um, technology, if nothing else, to have passed flight service by. Um, in the, from the standpoint that uh, more people are self briefing uh, than ever before, mm-hmm. um, there are more uh, ways to access official, much less non-official uh, weather information. Uh, there are more ways to file flight plans for example to to deliver pilot reports things of this sort than there used to be and um, the the flight service that I certainly grew up with Jack you seem to indicate you grew up with and Dave I'm sure you grew up with the same basic kinds of services and and, uh, and systems um, that old uh, um, uh, is uh, that old way of doing things and of interacting with flight services is, is going away. Um, while, while I'm scrolling around here, I, I did come across um, one little box here that, that discusses flight service frequencies. And 21.5, um, 22.2, 22.5, 243, of course, and 255.4 um, are, are frequencies available for, for Nashville um through the uh the Crossville Remote Communications Outlet, the mm-hmm. RCO uh in Crossville, Tennessee. Um that's the way we'll be interacting with flight service yeah. uh uh in the future. The the Flight Watch dedicated line apparently is or I should say is is being discontinued. Um is that a good thing? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you know,
1: it's the future.
2: Uh, it, what struck me was the rationalization, in my mind, would lean more toward getting rid of all those other frequencies, because that's what people use to file flight plans uh, remotely or in-flight, uh, and keep the nationwide advisory, because that's not what we usually call up on the ground like we could call the flight service phone number and do it, you know, live human to human. Uh, 122 to me was always the, once you're in the sky, you don't have to worry about looking up the right, the closest frequency, uh, which they wanted to use for other other services anyway. It's those other services that are going away, the need for in-flight briefing, in-flight reporting, uh, maybe a weather update. Uh, I can see that's getting weaker and weaker, too, because of more in-cockpit weather. Uh, But having one frequency for the whole country that you can just key the mic and get the closest person to answer seems to make more sense to me than doing away with that one and leaving this more scattered variety of frequencies. They'd all lead you to the
0: same place anyway. Yeah, it does. Me, it does me too. It, you couldn't do. You couldn't conduct all types of business with a flight watch facility. They they frowned on using flight watch to file flight plans, for example. Uh, you wouldn't use it if the uh, um, back in the old days, if the flight service station offered uh, uh, aeronautical services like. Uh, Unicom or was was giving out clearances or something like that. If there was, for example, a flight service station on the airport on the field. Um, But it was nice to be able to, I don't have to look at a chart. I can just dial in 22 nothing and call for Flight Watch, and, and I'll likely get an answer here. And I can, you know, find out what the weather is at my destination. Or, or failing that, I can get a frequency, a discrete frequency, a complex frequency um, for the local flight service station from the sky, If I know with, a, with a somewhat of a clue where the hell I am. Um, all of that was valuable. Now, if, if I was faced with those challenges today, I'd pick up and I'd dial 222 and just calling into the blind for any flight service station and see what would happen. Right.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, it's it's the it's it's, it's what's The happening Brave New World. The Brave of New world. FAA. Brave New World. David, this is a crazy airplane. I, I know you're you're sort of <laughs> you're sort of friends with the with the uh, with the uh, the James Weebey, yeah, James yeah. Um I'm I'm blanking on the name. Be light, Be light. Um, you've talked a lot and you've flown some of their some of their cool little ultralight uh, aircraft in the past, and uh, but this one, this one is just a whole new. I, I'm looking at a picture here, a freeze frame of a YouTube video that uh, that you you sent us here. Um, it's called the Sky Dock, and uh, it's just
2: yeah, James, J- James. Uh uh, unleashed word about the SkyDock just ahead of uh, Oshkosh this year, and he, he brought the machine up to uh, to Oshkosh and showed it off. Uh, I don't think it flew there. Uh, and since he's gotten it back to Wichita, he had it. He was showing it with an electric motor at, Osh- at, at Oshkosh down at the uh, Fun Flying Zone. Mm-hmm. But uh, back here in Wichita, he's uh, put a. Uh, a uh, gasoline engine on it, and done some uh, crow hops down the uh, sailplane runway that he operates from, and the video is his first flight around a pattern mm-hmm. in, in the prototype. Uh,
1: so this is a, uh, let me just see if I can describe this here. I mean, on, on one level, it's sort of a low-wing, um, nose-wheel, single-seat, um, somewhat traditional configuration airplane, except... That there's basically no fuselage, and the seat is just sort of mounted on the top of this, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, the, you know, the, the uh, fuselage spar, I guess, I don't know what you'd call that. But there's just like nothing around you. There's nothing over you. There's like it's, I don't know, it's it's the breezy to the max is what I want to call it. It's just crazy.
2: Yeah, it's like having a low wing cantilevered Quicksilver. <laughs> where you're just basically sitting out there,
1: yeah, and so i I've never flown an airplane like this, and I've always had reservations about it, first of all, because I think it would personally for me personally it would trigger my my vertigo my not my vertigo my but my fear of heights, my acrophobia and uh and and that would oh, be a thing. But um, you just
2: keep your seatbelt fastened and don't fall out.
1: Yeah, and make sure there's a couple of good things to hold on to. No, the other part of flying an airplane like this that always struck me as being a thing is that because there's no structure around you, certainly none in front of you, and so it would seem to me that it would be harder to kind of sense the attitude of the aircraft. You know, when I fly, I, you know, I will, you know, consciously or unconsciously use some part of the structure of the windshield or whatever as a as a sort of you know. Guide as to where I am relative to the horizon, as your
2: horizon reference
1: exactly. All right, and when you got an airplane like this, all right, there's nothing out in front of you hardly at all. All right, I mean I just would think this would be kind of hard to fly in that regard. But then I guess if you're <laughs> if you're a real pilot, you don't need no stinking you know horizon reference, right?
2: Well, when I think of the number of ultralights that we were flying back in the uh, very early 80s, that at best had a haul wind meter for an airspeed indicator and that was it and then somebody said hey you know you could get these skydiving altimeters that you just strap to your wrist now they're not exactly sensitive altimeters but once you get above 500 feet judging the height starts to get a little more challenging uh, so we strap on a hang gliding i mean a skydiving altimeter on our wrist and off we'd go uh you 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 pick up when you're climbing or descending pretty quickly though otherwise even with nothing out there in front of you uh-huh. it was the same on the uh on the uh drifters uh on the quicksilver uh heck i don't think we had anything with a real panel in front of us until chuck Sosarczyk came out with the hawk
1: yeah well, and I'm not so necessarily so concerned about knowing whether I'm climbing or descending. I, I just don't even know how I would go about setting the attitude of the airplane, you know, and, and holding the attitude
0: you, of the airplane. You, you pull back to make the houses look smaller. <laughs> you push forward <laughs> to make them look bigger. No, no, and no, if, no, no. If you if pull you like back way, in order to make you, the
1: airplane go go if slower. If like
0: the way they look, you hold the stick down. Yeah,
1: I know. All right. So, Jeb, what do you think about this airplane? Have you looked at these videos?
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at a still of... Um, a uh, picture of the aircraft, um, uh, uh, singular. It sounds like, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, I, and I do echo, I mean, I know exactly where you're coming from as far as having, having a yardstick yeah, by which to measure against which to measure your pitch attitude. Um, you could always, you know, gauge using the wing tips. You could gauge, uh, your pitch attitude, uh, it kind of depends on the angle of incidence and all that kind of thing, but it does look fairly straightforward to do that. The thing that, uh, I don't know, I, I, I never want to hit anything with one of these in the first place, but not having a whole lot of structure in front of you, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the only thing you got there is, is, uh, engine motor, whatever that is. Right. Now I, I guess I'm I'm
1: currently watching with the audio sound turned off. I'm watching the uh, first person um, um, video of the uh, of of a flight. I don't know if it's the same from the
2: helmet mounted camera. Yeah,
1: and so from the helmet mounted camera, um, it appears that the, you know the 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 disc of the propeller is is somewhat visible. And I and I you know maybe you can use that as a guide. And, and like I said, if you're a real pilot, you don't have to worry about it. It's just me his worries about this kind of stuff. I used to I used to take a grease pencil with me, and I would occasionally draw a little tick mark on the wind screen just to help sure. me stay you know sure. oriented and uh so there's
0: uh, also there's also like um an altimeter for that uh huh and, yeah. and 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 like there's maybe a vertical speed indicator
1: yeah but there's the same, also
0: like an attitude horizon an yeah, artificial no, horizon you know no i know
1: but but that, yeah. those mm-hmm. things kind of those things kind of uh distract
0: well they're, in the panel. they're, they're you sort of contrary
1: like a, to the whole idea of this aircraft um, but, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it definitely looks like it could be some fun. It's, you can uh,
0: always fly, you know, the, the GPS altitude on your iPad.
1: Yeah. David, what's this airport that, uh, I'm watching this video. He's at,
2: uh. Well, it's a sailplane strip. I know, because about, I just saw
1: him. He landed right over the top of a sailplane that was, uh, in, in position or lined yeah. up and waiting.
2: Yeah, the sailplane, uh, was getting ready to, uh, get towed out and, uh it's about if you find Jabara airport on the Wichita sectional uh there's a half a dozen private marked private strips immediately east of Chibara until you get to Augusta Kansas uh which is about 10 miles uh, about 10 miles away.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, a couple of big hangars here. This is like a interesting looking little airport.
2: Oh yeah. They've got a very active sailplane, uh, club there, soaring mm-hmm. club. Yeah. And, uh, so he, uh, this is about 12 or 13 miles northeast of downtown Wichita. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the name of the strip nice. that, uh, the, yeah. uh, sailplane folks operate out of, but they've been there for years uh i got a couple of tandem glider rides out of there years ago uh really nice uh you just have to watch for the uh jabara traffic
1: mm-hmm. you're yeah. coming in and out Yeah. okay well the sky dock from b light aircraft uh, and uh we'll, we'll yeah
2: and if you get in well, the i think the cutoff date is already passed but if they didn't sell out they might extend it but the they had a uh, special that they were trying to get uh, the first batch sold for mm-hmm. 4000 for the airframe kit.
0: 4000 really? Not counting 4, the 000. engine, presumably, right? Now, you seem to indicate at, at the top of this discussion that this is, can be configured for electric power?
2: Well, that's how he showed it at Oshkosh. Uh-huh. But I don't think he's flown it on electric power. But I expect that he will because I know that's one of his uh, ideas for making it an inexpensive to fly airplane is being able to, you know, plug it into a battery charger and ramp it up for an hour of tooling around the patch. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, you could land it almost on anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So
2: I did notice he's got a clutch on the uh, or a slip clutch on the uh, motor. Because when it shuts down, the prop keeps coasting.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, David, well, uh, you'll give us a report when you get a chance to fly this thing. And, I'm and
2: going to try to get out there and uh, and, and and visit him here uh, yeah. before the weather gets cool.
1: Any, anything that makes flying less expensive is is a good thing. And absolutely, uh, you know. So so.
2: And that that's his wife, Kathy, walking up from the left after yeah, he yeah. pulls up in front of the hangar. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll put in the check out the show notes and uh, we'll have links to these. Uh, or you could probably do a Google search for YouTube SkyDoc and you'll probably find these videos. Um, cool thing. Cool. Be light aircraft. Yeah. Be light aircraft. Shout outs. What do we got here? Um, Shout outs. I'm going to go first because I have two. Um, the first one is, um, happy birthday, guys. Happy birthday. Yay! This well, what? week... What, what, what did we do? This week is the ninth anniversary of the first time we got together and recorded this silly podcast. Wow. Nine years.
0: And we haven't been incarcerated yet.
1: No, well, not that we know of, all right? Um, there have been huh? a couple times when we've been absent, and who the heck knows, all right? But, and, and, and
0: and nobody's telling.
1: Yeah, that's right. But uh, no, congratulations. It's uh, It's been a blast. I'm not nearly done yet, but uh, I just wanted... To and not have that day go by without uh, acknowledging that uh,
2: that uh, well sing happy birthday to ourselves after people aren't listening. I know, so they know. won't have to go through that torture.
1: And tell me again how how long you thought this podcast would last back when we started it. Truth, I yeah. think it's six
2: eight weeks. <laughs> yeah,
1: Right. Well, we'll see. Um, we'll I'll let you know when it's when it winds down. But uh, we're doing good. We're on a roll here. <laughs> yeah. We're on a roll. This is our we're beginning. Our tenth year, and uh, and uh, you know uh, not to be too blatantly hinting, but we've got some ideas. We may try some new stuff in our 10th year. So, uh, old dog, new tricks, you get the idea. Um, congratulations. Thank you, guys. It's been a blast.
0: Yeah, it's been fun. It's uh, uh, obviously... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, could not have done it without either one of you, but... Uh, um, oh, certainly, absolutely. Cer- certainly wouldn't be doing it if it weren't for the listeners. Yes, absolutely.
1: So... The other uh, um, one I wanted to is uh, after nine years, I finally decided we should get our own Twitter account. So um, so Uncontrolled Airspace now has a Twitter account if anybody cares to follow us. Um, the One of the reasons or two of the reasons why we've never had a Twitter account is, one, um, Twitter UCAP, U-C-A-P, has been taken long ago. As a matter of fact, we can't even do hashtag UCAP. turns out that there's a... Uh, Apparently, a south american band or some sort of music thing and if you searched hashtag ucap you get all kinds of hits about a band or some sort of thing that's in i don't know if it's spanish or portuguese or something like that but so ucap's never been available and i recently got was convinced that we should look into this and so i someone was actually posting twitter references where they they put uncontrolled airspace as a twitter address and i thought well that's kind of interesting and uh I, I went to sign up for it um only to discover that Twitter has a limit on how long a Twitter name can be and uncontrolled airspace has too many characters, so we couldn't have uncontrolled airspace. So, long story short, um if you want to follow uh uncontrolled airspace on Twitter, uh you can follow Class G Airspace is our is our Twitter name. Class G Airspace. And uh and there's a, a little bit of traffic there and a few people who have followed us and, and we may put more stuff up there yeah. as time yeah. goes on. So uh so uh, feel free, follow us, Class G Airspace on Twitter, um, as well as our personal Twitter accounts, which we'll mention a little bit. That's it. That's what I've got. You guys got any cool. shout-outs? What's going on?
0: Um, not sure. Just kind of a quick update. We have talked about uh, what's up, Doc. Or we, we talked about Doc, I should say. Doc, uh, the, the, B, uh, the, the B-29 that's mm-hmm. undergoing restoration there at uh, in Wichita. And you know, we, earlier in the year, we talked about Doc a little bit, and, and uh, in fact, last year, talking with uh, um, uh, some of the EAA people, there was you know kind of some idle speculation if uh, they could get Fifi and Doc to Oshkosh this year. That didn't happen, but uh, Doc uh, is is uh, uh, still being uh, uh, still undergoing restorations. Now it's entering the final stages, according to EAA. And uh, if all goes well, we'll be the second operational B-29 by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, that's going to be so cool.
0: That's going to be so cool. And next year, of course, uh, if if in fact Doc is, is operational and Fifi remains in good health, Next year at Oshkosh, it'll be really cool it to have will be, two of them. It, was be, to yeah. it looks be really beautiful cool. from the pictures it I've seen. Does.
1: It's all polished, uh, unpainted mm-hmm. aluminum. It's just, just beautiful-looking yeah. uh, fuselage. Uh, it's just going to be very cool.
2: Just like it looked when it came out of the factory 70 years ago this week.
0: This week? Really?
2: Last week. Really? Yeah. Uh, August 20th.
1: That's that's, that's quite a, quite a milestone, quite an anniversary. Yeah, so Isn't I want to know whether they've heard from Disney's lawyers yet on the uh, the, the
2: <laughs> uh, Actually,
1: character. that got settled a long time ago. Did it really good? Glad to hear yeah. it. Yeah, because Disney they
0: don't fool around. Uh, you
1: don't, don't just plain around. use Disney's characters on your stuff. And, and then,
0: they uh, don't care at all about aviation. So,
1: uh, yeah. Well, yeah. What, well, what that happened? Got, that got settled when the
2: original squadron was delivered, and they were all named after. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs.
1: Oh, okay. But I'm really, really surprised that that permission passed down through the years to uh, to the current uh, operators.
2: Same airframe. It's not like they slipped a new one in.
1: I guess. I guess. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I just that's just kind of. It would have been
2: really ugly ink.
1: Yeah. Too. So. Anyways, we're all waiting to hear that uh, that doc has flown for the first time. That will be quite a quite a, yeah, a milestone, and uh, be, we'll be. we'll try and get a report
0: of some sort. Hopefully, that. the hopefully the brakes will, yeah, right. will hold up. Yeah, right. Hopefully, the brakes will hold up. Real real quick here, I yeah. just want to kind of give a shout out to the uh, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Oh, well, here we go. What have for they done They're profiling courage uh, that uh, uh, I think deserves some mention. Um, the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey suddenly discovered earlier this month, on Aviation Day, apparently, uh, August 19th, that horror of horrors, some of the stores inside um, Newark and LaGuardia oh, yeah. and Kennedy were selling—are you, are you ready? Yeah. You ready? You ready? Yeah, yeah. We're, these stores were selling drones. They're selling drones. They're in, selling drones in at, an airport.
1: At an airport, yeah, right. Yeah, so— what could possibly go wrong there well,
0: well, well what could possibly go wrong of course but but all of a sudden you know this was the biggest thing in in aviation in, in aviation news that particular day and of course the port authority told all the stores that they must cease and desist selling drones, because when you think about buying a drone, of course, you go to Kennedy International.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I want to know, on, on which side of TSA security were they selling these things? Right? <laughs> Did you then carry them through TSA, or yeah, were they...
0: What are you going to do, fly it around the cabin I while you're know. waiting for yeah, I don't know.
1: Off? Anyways, yeah.
0: Um
2: just, I need just, to correct something real quick. Yeah. The 70th anniversary was March 23rd when they did the ceremonial rollout and ceremonial re-delivery of Doc. Back Dock.
1: in the spring. Yeah. so
2: The press release was dated the 20th. Yeah.
1: My mistake. Yeah. So, Jeb, they're not going to sell the drones anymore in uh, the
0: New York, they're New Jersey? They're not going to sell the drones anymore at Newark or Kennedy or LaGuardia. Okay. I'm just I'm just you know, I, I, you know because I wanted to go up there to New York and buy a drone at know, the airport
1: yeah. no no it's and no, it's walk okay.
0: outside on the ramp which I can't do anyway and fire <laughs> that sucker up and, and go buzz the tower because that's how the way I roll
1: yeah it, I know okay? really well it's okay now so they've they've they prohibit so now things are safe for democracy and uh, so
0: things are safe for democracy and uh we can go on talking about all kinds of other stuff that yeah. we've been talking about yeah. in this country for the last yeah. On the
1: flip
2: side, this creates an opening for a drone store just across the street from the airport. I was going to say,
0: just, so. just outside. Just outside. Just across the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: right, uh, next at the place where you get your uh, rental car gas fill up and uh, you just right. also step inside. Rental car
0: gas and drones right and drones.
1: here. There you go. There you go. All right. David, shout-outs? Uh,
2: did I put this one on here? I don't know. Beyond the Powder, a
1: uh, documentary
2: about, the, uh, uh, about women air racers in the air 2014 Air Race Classic. Yep. It follows uh, some of the pilots on that. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. About very, While very also telling
2: cool the story of the origination of the Powder Puff derbies back in the
1: 20s. I know. Very, very cool event with an unfortunate name. But, uh, yeah. Yep.
0: So well, look it up. The, the powder Puff Derby no longer exists. It's now the, right. uh, uh, what is it, Dave? Um,
2: the, the Air Race Classic.
0: That's it, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yes. good. Good, good. All right. Yeah.
2: And it um, wasn't really originally called the Powder Puff Derby. That was uh, something that guys nicknamed it. It was the Woman's well, Hair Derby in 1929.
0: Okay. I, you know, I thought it was it, someone like uh, one of the pilots who, who participated in those early races had, had kind of dubbed it the powder puff derby but it could have been some writer for, you know, some newspaper or something. Uh, I don't I don't I don't yeah. recall. Anyway, uh, right. well, the
2: original well, yeah. race was from uh, from uh, Santa Monica, California to Cleveland. If you think about it, if you wanted to take the tourist routes, you could just follow Route 66 until you were almost to Chicago and then hook a right.
1: Yeah. Cleveland you, used to be a happening place for aviation, mm-hmm. right? Weren't the— Oh, yeah. The, the big air
0: races were originally yeah. in Cleveland, yeah. right? That's— and, of course, everyone knows you can get your kicks on Route 66. That's right. There you go.
1: All right. Hey, it's fork time, I think. Time to time to wrap this thing up. Uh, Dave Higdon is a... Uh, thank you for joining us, Dave. I appreciate it. Sorry you had some uh, technical problems there, but, uh, but, but it worked Yeah, just, sorry worked about, just fine about that, guys. Once we, once we back, went back to the 20th century technology, everything was fine. Um, a lesson there for the... Uh, no, no, no. Well, it hadn't done that in five or six days. I, yeah, okay, all right. Uh, Dave's an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London av buyer magazine we've been working on david anything fun you can tell us about
2: uh, got a column coming up uh my biz av blog on av buyer uh, talking about uh, avoiding bird strikes through the uh through the fall migration season
1: mm-hmm. it, it, how is is it possible to consciously avoid them how do you do this
2: well, you can make yourself aware of what at routes are active because there are actually people that track this and provide that information, uh, what routes are active, what species are flying, uh, oh. the routes that they take, and the altitudes that they prefer. Very cool. So it can at least give yourself a heads up. It's kind of like getting a bird migration forecast uh, in addition to your weather forecast.
1: Okay. All right. Sounds good. And where can people find out about this and other things about you on the Internet?
2: Uh, avbuyer.com, dot uh, net for the work I do for Avionics News Magazine. Uh, or you can take a, poke your nose into the uh, Pilot's Guide to Avionics and see stuff that Jeb and I did, uh, both did for the yep. this yep. year's mm-hmm. guide.
1: And Twitter you are?
2: Uh, Real Higdon on Twitter. There you go.
1: And Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on?
0: Well, I have been working on the magazine, actually. Uh, i getting some pages done. Uh, i having some fun uh, this month. I've got some great art for the cover. Mm-hmm. Um And uh, looking forward to, to whipping that all into shape. Um, I'm also on uh, GA News. i got a monthly uh, uh, little column thing going with, uh, with Ben and, and uh, his staff. Yeah? Ain't write anything um,
1: interesting for them lately? I just
0: wrote something on, um, uh, on the step. The step. It's the so-called step uh-huh. that people try to get on when they want to cruise faster. And uh, discuss uh, whether there is a step, whether this, this miraculous uh, uh, airplane attitude actually exists. And you'll have mm. to go look to find out what I think. Yeah, that sounds pretty yeah. interesting, actually. Yeah. yeah, so there's that. There's, of course, AEA.net and, and Avionics News and Aviation Safety Magazine.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and on the and Twitter, you are? I'm BurnsideJ. GA News is GA News.com. Very cool
1: very cool. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can follow me at uh, twitter.com slash jackhodgson. You can also learn more about me than you ever really wanted to know at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Hey, big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for all his help with our show notes and in the forums. Uh, Thanks to uh, Mike Morgan and Royce Earl and Jim Goldman and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. And don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. Um, all that and much, much more is available at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, were you going to say something?
2: Live long, be crazy, go fly, and remember, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. It gives you more time to be crazy. Bye.
1: And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
0: I think I'm going to go buy one of those sky docks because my legs are so white, I need to go tan them.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh, okay, all right.